0: Welcome to Exploring Digital with Per, a podcast for entrepreneurs and CEOs who want their businesses to benefit from a digital-first approach. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Exploring Digital with Per. I'm joined today by Laura Hampton, who's the head of digital PR at Impression. Hi, Laura. Hi, Nick.
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you doing?
0: Very well. Yes. So, for um, for background for the for the listeners and viewers, it turns out Laura and I have met a very long time ago, but in a skydiving drop zone bar
1: in a whole um, other world
0: in a whole other world in another era um and laura has continued her skydiving career and uh and turned into what semi-professional would you call yourself
1: yeah that's probably fair to say um i compete with my team at a national and international level um and you've gone down a slightly different route haven't you nick you've gone the the business and family route
0: of of not jumping out of (laughs) exactly out of not jumping out of any planes whatsoever (laughs) for a very long time which was very regrettable in all sorts of ways (laughs) but um uh, thanks for joining and um yeah do do you want to kick us kick us off by telling uh, everyone a little bit about impression and your background and how you came came into that role so
1: um yeah thank you so much for having me it's a real pleasure to catch up with you again and, and have a chat to you for your listeners um i have been working at impression for the past six years now Uh, which is essentially since the agency started. So we're a digital marketing agency with offices in Nottingham and London. We work with brands across the UK and internationally. And we were founded by two guys called Tom and Aaron back in 2012, who ran the agency as an SEO um, and and web development agency for the first couple of years as sort of a a side hustle to their main jobs. Um, And in 2014, started to grow the brand and, and grow the team full time. So we've gone from that point where there were just two founders to today where there's around 60 of us we do everything including digital PR, SEO, paid media, we've got an analytics and CRO team um, and and kind of everything in between and we work with some amazing brands um, from kind of global beauty brands like Clarins and and we work with kind of massive homes and interiors brands right through to um, some big B2Bs and and the likes of cancer research as charities as well so yeah, we do we do all of that, and hopefully, I can share some insights with you today that will be useful.
0: That's fascinating. So, really, kind of meteoric uh, rise, um, going from two to sixty in, in just a handful of years. And, and so, you said you said you've been there pretty much since the beginning of that that growth trajectory. Yeah, that's right. Um, what's that been like to be to be on the be on the sidelines? You know, spectating yeah. that that growth and, and and driving it, no doubt, as well in, in your your department. Yeah, it's
1: it's been. Um, Like you say, it's been a pretty meteoric rise. Um, But at the same time, a huge amount of hard work has gone into achieving it. And I think that you can't underplay the, the contributions of every single individual to that evolution. I mean, when I started, there were six of us. Um, and the reason that I joined Impression, I was working at another digital PR ad- digital marketing agency, sorry, and I could see what Tom and Aaron were doing and the team they were starting to build. And my perception as an outsider was that what they were doing was much more agile, much more responsive to the needs of clients, much more results driven, and. And a lot of fun and a lot of creativity, which was quite a difference to where I was at the time and agencies that I'd worked at previously. And and that was what initially excited me. And it was an opportunity for me to join in with that whole ethos of building something better and contribute my ideas to it. But where it was then going to go may have had us kind of at the beginning of it. But every step of the journey, every new addition to the team has brought Another facet to that way of thinking. So I think it's evolved in ways that we couldn't possibly have expected on day one, and and it's really exciting to know that that evolution is going to continue as we get bigger.
0: Absolutely. So it's been a a team effort uh, throughout. I mean, do do you think has the culture changed dramatically? I mean, it's it's impossible to know, isn't it? The the impact that growth will make Mm -hmm. to a company culture. Does it still have the same feel? Is it still the kind of exciting, agile business? uh and, and or has it evolved from that position and it's, it's even more yeah
1: so. I, I mean culture's been a, a big focus for us the whole way through because we knew from those very early days that the culture we were building and the the ethos and the values that we had were what stood us apart from other agencies and they were the things that were gaining attention from clients as well as potential colleagues. So for us, it was really important that we protect that, but not that we were so fiercely protective that we didn't allow it to adapt to the changing needs of new people coming on board. And also the changing landscape, the way that people market their brands these days is so different to back then. So the things that we have really fought to protect are are kind of the core essence of what we're all about so i mentioned being very results focused being very customer centric all of those things have remained completely core to who we are but we've done a lot of work to formalize that much more so we we had a branding consultant talk to us about our mission and our values and our aims and our beliefs and um we've done a lot of consultation across the whole team so yeah I think we've we've kept that core essence of of just building something better and having fun along the way, but we've tried to allow that to be agile to the needs of our our team as it grows
0: so historically, big corporate brands have always struggled a little bit to communicate purpose uh, without seeming trite. Uh, is there a you know a, a set of principles that you follow when you're trying to help a big brand communicate purpose in a meaningful way?
1: yeah, for sure. I think there's a there's a few things that help us so the first one, and this is going to sound very fluffy, but the first one is to really have clarity over what that purpose is. And, and what I mean by that is to have what you are trying to communicate clearly documented. Now, that could be something like a simple kind of tone of voice guideline, it could be a brand manifesto, perhaps you've developed something like a brand persona, but whatever it is, if you are a brand that wants to be clear on your purpose, you need to create that consistency across all of your communications platforms. So having a real definition around your purpose is is kind of step one. That also helps us from the agency side of things. So if we're working with a client and we don't have that clarity of definition, it's very difficult for us to then mirror that purpose through the communications that we put out there. So making sure it's well-defined is really um, the first step. That comes down to knowing what you're all about as a brand, but also what your audience is going to be interested in and and really tying those things together. So you mentioned there, Nick, how some brands struggle with communicating purpose and not appearing trite. I think that only occurs where authenticity is lost. And authenticity is lost when you can't practice what you preach. So if you're putting something out there because you think that's kind of uh, the trendy value of the moment and we'll probably get a few hits and a few bits of traffic if we talk about this one thing, but you don't actually believe it at your core, that's where the Mm. struggles come into play. So something that can be quite helpful in that is maybe um, to take the approach of what we'd call solutions-based marketing that works quite well for us when we're coming up with pr ideas for example whereby you look at what is the the problem that we want to highlight that is pertinent to our audience and how can we provide or create a solution to that problem so it's not just kind of empty messaging to say look at this thing that's that's newsworthy and that's shocking it, it's actually saying look at this thing and and look at how we can either create a solution together or look at what we've already got that can help to solve that. So it really is giving tangible action, not just empty words.
0: Yeah, there's. I think there's uh, a culture or has been a culture or lack of culture of sort of presenteeism almost of just going, oh, well, let's uh, have a pride float or let's change mm-hmm. our Instagram picture for Black Lives Matter or whatever, the, you know, the, su- the subject that week that's in the news is. And it, mm-hmm. it, if there isn't a wider um you know business strategy around that mm. that, that topic then it, it's always going to seem um artificial yes. I guess. so are those are those the issue the ones where you're seeing the biggest mistakes nowadays is it in the sort of the lack of authenticity when in some, in something someone's communicating or are there still other um you know failures big brands make in, in a major way along those lines
1: i think in in terms of mistakes authenticity is definitely a, a big issue and you've mentioned a few examples there where it might feel like the right thing to do in the moment to you. And and it might well come from a very good place. It might be that that social media manager or that PR manager has got personal feelings towards an issue that they want to kind of use the platform that their brand has created to communicate. But if that doesn't get followed through by the brand, it feels like a marketing strategy. And and that's not a good place Mm. to be. You don't want to turn global issues or societal challenges into a marketing opportunity for yourself equally on the flip side to that though you have to recognize that as your brand is growing you do have a platform you have built yourself a platform from which to communicate and it can be almost as much of a mistake to not take those opportunities to to champion a cause or to try and make a difference as it is to, to jump on something when you don't have a valid platform to do so. So it's it's a difficult line. And I think it's something that's become exacerbated through the COVID pandemic as people have been reflecting on what drives them, what their own personal values are. And, and from a marketing perspective, I think consumers are more driven than ever to consider how the brands that they interact with and brands that they buy from help to support their own values and support their own aspirations so i think that brands are going to have to be clear on that moving forward more than ever before
0: completely i, I and I, I feel there are so many kind of missteps that are in effect counterproductive you know we've just part been through um international women's day and in our sector in particular, you know uh diversity in teams has always been an issue and and, and may continue to be an issue for the foreseeable um, and you know lots of people in our sector will kind of going oh, you know putting pushing the women in their teams to the to the front of the picture and going you know aren't, aren't we great to have women in our teams and then really all it does is reinforce how few women they have in their teams mm. um it's not like it's it really helps the situation and it just seems like grandstanding
1: mm. um and, and change and doesn't be come far better
0: to have sorry go on i
1: was gonna say change doesn't come straight away either and i think um without kind of delving too much into those much bigger issues at the moment um the the challenges in identifying what you can do that is making an actual impact and making an actual difference i mean for us at impression um we can't go out there and say we're going to make the country a safer place for women walking home at night because we can't affect that but what we can do is say that for every event when we get back to normal and we can meet up in person for every event that we hold we'll make sure that every member of the team it gets home safely and we will kind of mm. cover the cost of taxis to make sure that that happens. Or when we look at in- issues like diversity and inclusion, we can't unfortunately snap our fingers and change the way the industry is within a day. But we can do things like reviewing our own recruitment practices having consultations as we have done around our own existing diversity and inclusion and also looking to the future. So some of the things that we do as an agency includes going into underprivileged schools or less kind of uh, represented schools and educating students around potential opportunities in our industry, looking at how we can support um, initiatives like women in tech. And every step of the way, whether you're your impression or, or any other brand really, it's thinking what difference can we tangibly make and authenticity for me comes from actually doing something about it. It's not just yeah, jumping having, on a, having a social purpose
0: thing. as well as a business one.
1: Hundred percent, yeah.
0: So let, let's focus. Uh, we, we mentioned tech a little bit there. Um, when when you're putting together, I mean, you know, you're involved in digital PR primarily. So yeah. is is technology? you know the choice of technology or the choice of platform playing a big part in in these early strategic discussions um or is it still an afterthought for a lot of these big brands it's what's the campaign and oh and roll it out on the platforms
1: I think there are lots of different factors that go into kind of our campaign ideation, and, and the thing that I really keep on coming back to um, is about finding the technology or, or the communications platform that is most appropriate for the audience um, as well as for the brand. So you know, it's all it's all well and good to see that social media platforms like TikTok have really grown over the past year in popularity, but if that's not where your audience is. already hanging out or if that's not the kind of place they're going to be comfortable then you don't want to be jumping onto it equally with things like clubhouse a lot of people jumped on that when it was launched but was it appropriate for everybody maybe not um but equally being conscious of technologies that have been around for a long time you don't always have to be innovating you know we we work with a big brand that deals with business sms for example and as we're trying to reach more consumers in their homes as we are at the moment SMS is still very much a valid way of communicating. Email marketing is still very valid Um, considerations around, you know, mobile devices and different technologies, Facebook's new portal, all that kind of thing is, is exciting. But again, I think it's really coming back to what's most appropriate to the audience um, and communicating in a way that's going to be compelling to them.
0: Yeah. So it's not just being on the zeitgeist and, and, uh, having the 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 quickest adoption of a new platform but actually thinking about it it's suitability to your brand Uh, exactly
1: yeah being being open to the options but not just jumping on every bandwagon that comes past because you think it will be cool to do so um yeah
0: no very good and um so in when when you've you've got this strategy about you know picking the right digital platform for the for the brand for the purpose Mm -hmm. what are the other ways in which you know is is a niche approach, I guess, for impression as as an agency. You know, are there any other specifics about your digital PR angle that you think are, you know, unique to you guys?
1: Gosh, big question. I, I think um digital PR, particularly in recent years, has um evolved quite a lot. I I've been in the industry for about 12 years now. So when I started in digital marketing, this whole thing that we now refer to as digital PR was just a part of SEO. It was link building, it was kind of quite simplistic. It was all built off this idea of referencing and 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 it came actually from academia and the idea of citing your sources and things was was what kind of drove those link connections. And over the years, we've we've developed more innovative, more creative approaches to, to earning links and to earning mentions from other brands. And in more recent years, we've we've looked at what traditional PRs have been doing for many years now and gone oh, hang on, that's quite a good way of getting attention as well, isn't it? So we started to roll PR practices into things um, more than ever before as well. So what we've got as a team at Impression is is a combination of um, people who come from an SEO background, people who come from a traditional PR background, and people who come from a digital PR background. And all of that kind of amalgamates together to, to make who we are today in terms of the the approach to to, to help
0: make it more of its own specialism rather than just an assortment of other skills
1: yeah for sure but also um the the recognition that we have as a business that this is a, a discipline that is still evolving is something that's quite important to us because what that means is that when we recognize that it's not a finished product we can always be looking for new ways to improve it or to enhance what we already do so we are in an incredible position where we work with some amazing brands and we we achieve some exceptional successes. And I I couldn't be more proud of the team that we've built. Um, And at the same time, we are always looking at how how can we bring the next thing to that? And there are three, I guess, main drivers to that. The first is that we want to deliver what we term measurable gains. Now, what that means is that there are many ways to do PR that are very difficult to measure. Um specifically, when you look at things like traditional PR metrics, like um, kind of coverage that's being picked up or circulation figures or uh, proxies like advertising value equivalents are, are quite outdated and quite kind of far removed from the actual value that they deliver for the brand. So we're always looking at what can we... What can we do to make sure that we are measuring the actual gains that our clients are getting out of their investment with us? So that's one thing. Um, The second thing that drives our our more unique approach, I suppose, is is the the pursuit of broader benefits. And what I mean by that is that we recognize that it's no longer just about link building. It's no longer just an SEO discipline. There are much broader benefits to investing in digital PR than those things so we are open to exploring you know things like um, social engagements or sentiment or how we can be helping brands to build or even looking at kind of audience data acquisition and the whole the whole wide spectrum of, of ways that we can measure success um, and the third thing for me that really differentiates us is that i would call us strategic specialists so every member of my team is is hundred percent a specialist in what they do but they're also able to take that strategic approach to it. So there have been cases where a client will be coming to us and they will just ask for digital PR. But because we're able to kind of step that level up and and look overarching at what the goals are of the business, we can turn around and say, actually, it's not just digital PR that's going to help you achieve that. And why don't we consider these other things as well? So um, yeah, even if somebody comes to us and just says, we want some digital PR, let's get some links we will help them to identify how that can better impact and influence their strategy as well.
0: Yeah, I completely agree on that last one. Always getting kind of what's outside the brief and how how does should that impact what we're doing with this specific brief is, is so important. And
1: we're, so much of that comes made. down to knowing what the, the goals are as well. So one of the questions that we always ask um is what are we trying to achieve? What does success look like? What does good look like? And if if that success and that good um, isn't necessarily achieved solely through digital PR, that's where we want to make sure that we open those conversations around other activities that will help our clients get to the end point that they want to.
0: Yeah, understood. So, you know, because you've got this this team of specialists and, and you've been able to to grow that, um, you know, from from your your starting days at the, the business, I mean, it, sounds, it seems like you mentioned this meteoric growth. Generally, what we, we see is with agencies that have grown super quickly in that way, you know, more than kind of 30 percent growth in a year is the, the biggest struggle is sort of keeping a consistent quality of delivery um, and ensuring that that, you know, that standard and that understanding of your approach is consistent across everyone you bring in and have to induct and, and scale up. Um, you, know, you mentioned the business is really agile. What do you think the things the business has done really well to ensure that that doesn't become an issue?
1: So there are there are two things that come to mind. Um the first one is that we do not um, we do not template everything that we do. And I the reason that I say that is that I've seen it at agencies that I've worked with before and I've seen it brand side when I've worked brand side as well is that you start off with a, a small group or you start off with an idea of the way that you want to do things and The success of of that way of working actually comes from the ability to change it on the fly and to deliver something bespoke to the client. So, what we never wanted to do as an agency at Impression is to just template everything in a way that becomes prohibitive of innovation and creativity because every single person that joins our team brings a new way of doing things and a new way of thinking, and we want to allow that innovation and evolution to happen. So, we don't template. Um, the ways of doing things in kind of a strict way. But some things that we do template would be um, things like we have something called a brand and channel plan where we define what the key drivers are, the key strategic drivers for the client. We define and document things like what the purpose is for the client, what the client wants to be known for, how they want to measure things. So there are some things that have to be set in stone so that you know what success looks like. But then there are other things where the way that we do things can be suggested to our colleagues, but are very much open for that um, agility and dynamicism, all the jargon um, that means that we can be much more kind of delivering to what our clients need in the moment as well.
0: Okay, no, good, good principles. I, I, it's, it's always horrible when you hear someone say, Oh, it's done that way, because it's always been done that way, right? Mm-hmm. You've always got to be prepared to improve or or try yeah. new things. Um, and, and yet, you know keeping a company growing successfully and you know improving your reputation has to be yes it's still going to be done to the same standard and we may still have to do what we would normally do even if we're going to test other things alongside it yeah
1: and Um, it's just not sustainable either i don't think if you want to be um so dictatorial of the way that things should be done that you almost have to micromanage every person that's not conducive to scaling either so we have to make sure that we've we've given everyone what they need and and almost this people use the term north star um which i struggle with because it is so jargony but you you do give them kind of like this is the point we're trying to get to and Mm -hmm. the route that we're going to take is going to look roughly like this but allow everyone to find their their own kind of ways of doing that and of achieving that and and that's something that we're really proud of because it means that everyone in the team is continually developing and we're still delivering great standards of work for our clients
0: but i think being super clear on your purpose as an organization can only really help that yeah um sure. you know because if everyone un- understands the, the brand mission to begin with then uh, at least if people extrapolate outside what their normal way of doing things it should be aligned with it definitely um bigger brands perhaps not as kind of well definitely not as agile definitely more risk averse does that tend to be the 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 limitation that you're given when you when you're trying to work with someone um is it that they they won't be edgy, edgy enough or they won't try new things
1: not necessarily no i think um i think we're we're quite clear on our own brand ethos and and we our vision for the future is a world where ambitious brands are rewarded so we really want to work with brands that have that ambition to grow. And that could be global brands who are already huge and they want to grow more, or it could be kind of smaller businesses who've got really big big plans and big aspirations. So we want to work with aspirational, ambitious brands, and, and that's quite clear through the way that we communicate our own offering. And that means that we get the opportunity to work with those kinds of businesses. So it's it's rare that we are held back by by brands saying, oh, no, we're too nervous to try something or we're too scared to give that thing a go. I think what actually are the, the biggest limiters for us are budget, as an example. So, you know, if, if somebody um, is wanting to do a kind of a massive PR stunt and they want to build something massive or they want to do something huge and they've seen, I don't know, some enormous global brand with millions and millions of pounds to spend do it and they come to us and say, oh, we want to do the same. That can be quite difficult once you start digging into the practicalities of making that happen. Yeah. Um, but of course, once you know what success looks like and you know what that that budget limitation is, you can find another way. Um, another thing in a similar sense is time. So, you know, if you want to turn, turn that big thing around in the next two days, it's probably not going to happen. But if you can plan it into your roadmap, it probably can. Um, another thing that we've we've found actually that's that's quite a good lesson for us and our and our clients is that stakeholders can also be a limitation so um it's not uncommon for us to get quite far down the line with something and then a new stakeholder kind of pops up and they weren't interested previously but all of a sudden they're like oh what's going on over here so that can be a limitation, and, and the lessons for brands and for agencies in in that situation is just to make sure that you're clear on who all the stakeholders are from the from the beginning, um, and that you're clear yeah. on what success looks like, and that you don't end up having people jumping in halfway through and changing things around.
0: Speaking of jumping, am I right? Do I remember rightly? You were involved in the Honda jump years ago.
1: That was my boyfriend, actually, who was in the Honda jump.
0: Yeah, he was he was involved in the Honda, Honda <laughs> jump. So for people who don't don't remember, there was a a live broadcast skydive with people spelling out honda in letters yeah in formation skydiving <laughs> uh, and you just think well the number of people to had to get behind that and it wasn't just planned overnight and the budget and the attitude to risk and all of those things how many people had to sign off on that yeah uh, you know a, a big a big kind of extravaganza like that doesn't just happen right and uh yeah it was uh it was pretty impressive at the time and people did people did talk about it but i guess you know the other one the other big one in that that joint background world of ours was um, Baumgartner and the Red Bull jump that we were talking about earlier, and just how many years yeah. of planning and uh, and you know, sign off and oh, just, just horribleness. And yet, someone someone watched it, there have been so many other people who've attempted to do that yeah. without really knowing the implications. Yeah, um, you've got to, you, It's got to be a big global brand with big ambition, as yeah. you say, to pull off the biggest
1: stuff. And that, that's such a good example. And just to use use the Honda example again, so that, um, yeah, Skydivers built the word Honda using their bodies over the skies in Spain. Um, and it was for a live broadcast advert. And it was really, really cool. And people look at that and go, well, "It it's only a minute long. So that's yeah. not that much effort, is it? It's only a minute. And knowing the people who were behind it, I know that they did eight jumps in the run up to it to practice it. So it's only eight jumps, and then it took a minute. Mm. So it's not that much effort. But prior to the eight jumps, they also had to practice it on the ground and put all their bodies on the ground and make sure they could do it. So that, that's not too much more effort. Then there's the guy who had to actually work out how to spell the word out. So that's, again, mm. a little bit more complexity. But then there's also the years that went before that into getting the sign off. I know there was a lot of risk assessment. There was um, everyone working out how the equipment was going to work, how the cameras were going to work, how the live broadcast would work, how the weather was going to contribute, like so many things. And I think that really mirrors the way that our work as digital PRs in particular happens because people will see the output of what you've done. And a campaign going live or or somebody celebrating a campaign on social media and they'll think, well, that can't be that much effort. We can probably do Mm. that. But nothing happens quickly in our industry because every fantastic campaign has either been the output of a huge amount of work for that campaign, but it's also been the output of the years of experience that that team has had to get to that point. So there's, there's been lots of examples where people, you know, will walk up to my team in the office at Impression and be like, oh, hey, PR team, can you just have a quick idea about this thing? No, like there is yeah, there is no quick, such thing as quick a quick idea. idea Even if we come up with an idea like that, we are only able to do it because we've immersed ourselves in this industry for many years before. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's a lesson for all brands is that it might look like a minute long mm. skydive at the end, but it's it's years and years of effort that goes in. And the same is true of campaign work.
0: Definitely. So, so what uh, are there any kind of key strategies you're pitching to clients this year of all years, 2021? Really interesting year, let's call it. Exciting <laughs> year, possibly the phrase has been used. But are, what are, the, are there any kind of core things you're going out to clients and saying, listen, you've really got to get on this this year?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, for me, the, the really big one is changing consumer behaviors and how brands can best respond to that. So, over the past year the the global pandemic has kept us all in lockdown we haven't been able to kind of rely on passing footfall or on our ability to kind of advertise to people outside of their homes so the the onus has been much more on brands to be able to find a way to reach us in our homes and that comes with a whole new world of complexity because people don't want to be reached in their homes unless it's for good reason and we as marketers don't deserve to be in people's homes unless it's for good reason either so we've had to learn to be more sympathetic um more empathetic to what our our audiences and um what our clients audiences are looking for we've had to be much more sympathetic to the messaging that's going to resonate with them and we've had to recognize that the the techniques that we employ That might seem like quick and simple marketing techniques have actually got a lot more power than we realized. So one of the things that I am kind of talking to my clients about moving forward is how can we use digital PR, for example, to open communications with our clients? How can we use it as part of starting a conversation that will eventually lead to a sale for sure, but is not about selling to them immediately. And there are complexities in technology that will define the way that we take that and the rate of growth around that. Um, attribution, for example, is, is a challenge for our industry. How can you attribute something that happens so high up the funnel that it doesn't immediately lead to that conversion? How can you measure that through? I know that Google's been kind of doing a lot of work with Google Analytics on how it can improve in that sense. But also, I think brands have to recognize that it's not just about that bottom line conversion and being open to exploring opportunities around micro conversions or kind of different touch points is really what's going to help brands to thrive moving forward. So yeah, that's what I'm really pushing on one side is how can we use PR techniques to open conversations? But also, and this comes back to what we spoke about at the beginning, how can we best understand and define our own purposes in a way that is going to enable us to do good in the world as brands. That's something that's become more prevalent than ever before through the whole pandemic. And the influence that we have, especially brands who've got those kind of bigger platforms and bigger followings, can't be ignored. So I think for all of the clients that we're working with, we're really trying to get to the bottom of what those values are, what the purposes are, and how PR and purpose can work hand in hand.
0: Brilliant. So, two kind of core areas for people to consider. Is there, sure. is there one top tip you'd give?
1: One top tip. I think um, be open. A quick idea, maybe. A, a quick idea. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, I think be open to those those opportunities. Um, it's it's very easy because we've. We've grown up in this digital world and we know that digital marketing is more tangible than any other form of marketing. We can measure everything so much better. We've we've almost been a bit spoiled by that, I think. And, and though we should always aspire to make things measurable, we need to prove our value um, and the value of the investments that we make. I think that we've also got to be open to those opportunities that only arise when you're not desperate to measure every single thing. And thinking about how you can open conversations means better understanding of your audience and better understanding of your own brand and purpose. Um, So, yeah, that would be my tip, is just be open to exploring things beyond that bottom line conversion.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you, uh, Laura. Some really, really good advice and uh, fascinating hearing, hearing about Yeah, everything going on at Impression and your plans for the year. It's been great to have you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Pleasure. See you next time for another episode of Exploring Digital with her. Thanks for joining. Remember to subscribe and follow us and to share today's insights with other businesses you know who want to stay relevant in a digital-first world.